0: Welcome to Employee of the Month. Here's your host, Katie Lazarus.
1: Welcome to Employee of the Month. I'm your host, Katie Lazarus. And in this episode, I sat down with Wesley Morris, who's a Pulitzer Prize-winning film critic, and I've enjoyed reading his work on ESPN's Grantland. It's a website, and it's a dreamy career he has. He writes whatever he wants for however long he wants and how often he writes, be it about film or sports or pop culture. But I... I have to say, I have learned so much about what's going on in the world from reading his work, and it was a pleasure to have him on the show. So I hope you enjoy our interview. It was taped live at Joe's Pub, and the next live taping is December 5th, and it's going to be ridiculous. We now have an incredible, we always had an incredible band, but now the band beatboxes and raps and does all of this cool stuff, so it's going to be super, super fun. So hope to see you there, and I hope you enjoy this interview with the one and only Wesley Morris two writers dancing you do understand done.
0: you're in a relationship right yes, I can't I hump I you on stage do. that's inappropriate I know my mama raised me right
1: oh good I'm I glad that's the only you. reason and it it's not because you're gay I'm glad that that was the
0: reason <laughs> no I'm indiscriminately sexual
1: oh good that's, okay thank you doesn't matter no that was much. usually we just talk about careers but this is very interesting <laughs> um, Wesley yes. you be you knew you were going to be a film critic from a very very young age were you always very judgmental
0: Yes, yes, yes. I, I would not describe it as judgmental. I would call it honest. I was telling the truth.
1: And you had a teacher. At, why don't you tell everyone how you discovered that, you were, that this was an actual career?
0: Somebody told me it was a career. <laughs> Basically, what happened was I got an assignment when I was in the seventh grade that was to watch a movie based on a book, and this, prof- this professor, this teacher, John Kazempel, um, was, you know, he didn't want us to keep, you know, we've read a lot of books. He was like, well, I'm going to give you, a, I'm going to double your assignment, basically. You're going to read this book. It's called April Morning. Anybody ever read that book? It was turned into a Hallmark. Was that noise? <laughs> I'm so sorry. I remember reading that in the eighth grade and thinking nobody should read this. But really nobody should see the movie it was based on. Because it was turned into a Hallmark Hall of Fame production with like Chris with Chad Lowe and Rip Torn. Like and you're th- already
1: criticizing. We haven't even gotten through the story
0: yet. Well, no, I just
1: <laughs> <laughs> can't help
0: it. I'm sorry. <coughs> um, anyway, I turned in the assignment and he wanted a kind of synopsis of what, you know, the book versus the movie. And I just sort of wrote about how I didn't like the movie relative to the book. Um, and he's like, you know, there's people do this for a living. You're, you seem to be good at it. You seem to at least be committed to the expression of an opinion. You might want to consider keeping continuing to do that. So I kept doing it. I mean, I didn't know it was a job. I don't think I'd even read the newspaper at that point.
1: Okay, I thought that you had said that in second grade, or sorry, seventh grade, I apologize. Seventh
0: or eighth grade, something th- like that.
1: Th- that the teacher said you should be a film critic.
0: He said you should keep, do- well, I mean, he basically did say that, right? I mean, what I did from there was write, for the school newspaper, doing film reviews, I didn't know. I mean, his saying that basically made me aware of the fact that there was a. You, you know, he what he said was, you know, do people do this for a living? I that's, didn't know that. I
1: think that's huge. You know, no, I didn't have anyone. It was Dr. I went to liberal arts school, so I never heard anything about making a living. So I, I was very impressed. But we've
0: talked journey. about this before, right? I yeah. mean, they don't liberal arts. I went to Yale. They didn't tell you anything about how to make any money. Your options were no money, ROTC or Wall Street. Like the like you go to the like career services office, there's nobody there to help you become a teacher. Uh Anything else?
1: Well, this is actually a great <laughs> this is a great segue actually because you were so focused on going to Yale, you really strategically planned to do that. Can you tell everyone how you picked <laughs> Yale?
0: I strategically planned to go to Yale by like, being obsessed with going to NYU, and NYU lost my application. I
1: thought
0: that was and good. And while I waited for them to to find it, I got into these other schools. But going to Yale was an accident because some kid threw his application in the trash because he didn't think he was ever going to get it, and I was hanging out with him one night, this kid, Dominic DiLorenzo.
1: This is at Medgar, you went to a boarding school. I'm yeah, I went to, to
0: it... I went to a place called... Well, okay. Let's be clear. Okay. It was a school where you boarded. It was not Phillips. It was not Choate. It wasn't one of those... It was called Gerard College, which sounds fancy, but is for orphans. Or the... I wasn't... Don't get all Dickens on me. It's not... Like, <laughs> It's for single parents. That's a whole other genre of awe. Um, thank you. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, yeah, it was, a, it, was a, it was a large, really fascinating place in North Philadelphia called Gerard College. I went there. Um, why am I telling this story?
1: Because the way that you applied to you, I thought was fascinating. Oh, right. How Dominic Lorenzo
0: threw his application in the trash because he didn't think he was going to get in. And I had no time. I mean, I had a lot of time on my hands at that point because I had already applied to every place else because really, I only wanted to go to NYU. And so, (laughs) this is so nauseous.
1: I just like that it was in the trash can. It was in the
0: trash. I took it out. I applied. I I, I filled out the application that night, put it in the mail the next day. And... I mean, this, the obnoxious part is that Yale was my safety school.
1: <laughs> All right, it like, is obnoxious. You're right.
0: <laughs> I wanted to go to NYU. That's what I, I wanted. I thought I wanted to make movies, but NYU said, we can't find your application. I mean, I just felt like I couldn't go to a school that couldn't be trusted to keep track of my application.
1: I so I went fair. to a
0: school that had the sense to let me in.
1: And I'm so. going to make it less obnoxious by pointing out that it was your financial aid application that got lost at NYU. Yes, that's
0: a, that's a very important distinction.
1: See, now, not, now but, you and, seem less and, obnoxious, right? Right.
0: NYU <laughs> didn't want to... didn't. Well, I just told you I was an orphan.
1: But that wasn't true. <laughs>
0: um, no, they lost my financial aid application, which was important because, you know, NYU at that time, I laugh at the price that NYU cost in 1993 or 4, but, you know, it was... Maybe $20,000, which is, I think, maybe $15,000 less than what it is now. Jesus. I know. Sorry.
1: The the moral of that story is don't have educated children. That's it. Don't send your kids to college. Um, One of the things you told me that I loved um, was hearing from you was that media or journalism is secretly run by black people. And I was so happy to hear that because I... Y'all
0: think it's run by Jews. It's black people.
1: I, Isn't this amazing? Can you just say that again? I just
0: no, love hearing that. I, I <laughs> no, I should be clearer. There is an... <laughs> how do I do this without... Um, there's an underground railroad...
1: Harriet Tubman. Yeah, I'm with you.
0: Run by black people oh. who look out for each other. Um, I'm now in a position to look out for, for other such people. Um, but when I was, I, I quit my job in San Francisco, um, in 19, in 2011, um, and wanted to move to New York because I'd worked for the, I was working at the San Francisco Examiner. Um, they merged with the Chronicle. I decided I didn't want to be the youngest and sixth film critic they had. So I came to New York cause I had people were interested in talking to me about jobs um, but I got here like maybe four weeks before September 11th. So I was at the gym one day before my big job interview, and I got a I got a call from my sister saying, "Don't get on the train." Oh. And uh, I was a, like, I was here actually. Katie, uh, Katie Lee, who I was living with at the time, I was right. I was at the Crunch gym that's no longer there. Um, at the gym when all the craziness was happening, and I didn't get my job cuz other more important things needed to happen. Um,
1: okay, now it is veering towards really obnoxious like No, I'm not saying... So, no, this is like it's so the I opposite. Didn't get my job I don't your feel time. bad at all about
0: it not happening. <laughs> See, you know what, what was supposed to happen and what I'm saying is it didn't happen and I had a much more interesting life as a as a result of that.
1: Um but it is good to know that you, you do genuinely feel, this was at the time at the Washington Post that someone helped you get a job at the Boston Globe.
0: Yes. Well, no, I mean, going back even, yes. It, when I got my job in San Francisco, um, I worked at a startup called student.com, which nobody here should know because why would you ever know that? Um, but the, they were it was at that point at which venture capitalists were realizing how to make money and how to make money was to get rid of all the content and have all this interactive stuff. So we all, were all the content people, I was an editor at this site, and we were, the respo- we, our response was, well, we gotta get out of here, we all wanna write and edit, so we should find jobs where we can write and edit. So we all applied for jobs, I applied for a job through a friend of mine at the Washington Post, and that person had me in for an interview I was interviewing for a job that involved me driving around Prince George's County and telling people how to spend their weekends. Like, you should go to bowling this weekend. It's Halloween. Dress up in your costume. That's what I was gonna do. But that job. I mean, Prince George's County is very large, and that's um, not the
1: issue. The issue is you didn't
0: have your driver's license. Right, well, that's the punchline. You just ruined it.
1: <laughs> Sorry, <Yes. laughs> I was getting to it. I was moving us <laughs> along.
0: No, I didn't have a driver's license. But I got called in. But that's not really... The truth is I was taking this job to potentially be there for three months and then get a different job doing some sort of culture writing. And so, you know, this guy calls me into his office one day and he's like, a black guy, who I I can't remember his name. Um, I can remember everybody's name along the way to being where I currently am except this one guy who was the most entertaining of all. He called me into his office. He closed the door and I thought we were going to have this like... You know, really kind of filial conversation, you know, where he's like, I'm so glad you apply for this job and it's going to be so great to have you here. He closed the door and he's like, <laughs> I know what you're trying to do. And I was like, what am I trying to do? He's like, you, you don't want this job driving around telling people what to do at their weekends. You want, a, you, want a, you want a different job. It's not going to happen. And I was like, okay. I mean, he caught me, basically. The, the point was I, was I actually did want to do what he said I was going to do. And he just said, "I was not going to do that at his newspaper. I was going to spend my, you know, a year or two driving around Prince George's County, doing bowling excitement."
1: And instead, you got to go to the Boston Globe. Said so
0: I got to go to the Boston Globe and
1: write film reviews. Well, no,
0: I went from there to the to San Francisco, and then I was in New York for that year. Oh, yeah, and I worked yeah. at the video store,
1: Kim's Video. I worked at Kim's Video. Do you feel like as a film critic, it's more important to work in a video store or be work in a theater, you know, movie theater?
0: I did both. And I can tell you that the more fun thing to do is work at a video store.
1: Too bad they don't exist anymore. (laughs) It's like either Amazon stocking or.
0: No, I mean, the video store was. That was the most fun I've ever had not knowing what was going to happen to me. Um, I made a lot of really, I met a lot of great people. The only downside of that job was people coming in and, like, people I went to college with who were at, like, Columbia, various Columbia grad schools, yeah. or just lived on the Upper West Side. I worked at the Uncool Kim's, by the way. I worked at the wanted um, on the Columbia campus. And so people would come in, and they'd be like, oh my God, it's Wesley Morris. How did this happen to him? It's so sad. They'd try to go to a different clerk, but, you know, if they come in the afternoon, I'm the only guy there. And they just be like, "Um, yeah, here. Man from Snowy River, just check it out. I I don't want to talk to you.
1: And now that you want to... Is it Pulitzer or Pulitzer? Which do you prefer?
0: It's Pulitzer. Pulitzer. I never correct anybody. Because you know what? You're going to find somebody that works there and they'll correct you. They're very obnoxious.
1: They are really obnoxious? (laughs) They're
0: super... No, I mean, I'm serious. (laughs) They They will stop whatever you're doing and be like, it's... It's Pulitzer.
1: I love. The, I've seen it happen. I have a photo of you in the Boston Globe newsroom when you
0: when oh, you won.
1: It's it, like Marty your, Barron. I like your. That's your f- former boss? Former that's my boss?
0: former boss. He's at the Washington Post now.
1: I like how it shows how, how um, tall you are.
0: <laughs> but you know that's why I'm that's why I'm standing <laughs> on that thing because I am I, I was at the Globe for eleven years. That was the seventh Pulitzer or sixth Pulitzer ceremony that. I had been to, and at all the other ceremonies, I'm little. I'm like five, six. So you get, you can't get there early enough to see what's going on without inserting yourself into the actual ceremony. So I, all those years, I just was like trying to see over, pe- over people's heads, and I couldn't see anything. And I won, and I just was thinking about all the other short people in the yeah. newsroom room, and I thought, I mean, it's kind of normal, Ray, looking, but the truth is. I, I only wanted people who couldn't see to see. That's the reason I stood in the file cabinet. And my favorite thing about that whole day is you can't see the phone that my mother was on, but my mom was on, oh my God, I heard a story about how somebody cried here last time, or once upon a time. Yeah. I might cry now because, the, anyway, my mom was on the phone behind um, me like somewhere, like just right to the right of the frame. Anyway, she had a couple of um, funny stories. I lost my shit a couple times, and she's like, "Comic relief." I just want to interject something about my son. <laughs> but anyway,
1: um, what did she interject?
0: I I don't remember. It was a. I was very emotional at that thing, and like the 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 man that I was with at the, at the time was there, and I was like very weepy at him. My mother was like, oh my God, my baby's tanking. It's his big day. He's falling apart. This, this can't happen. So she's like, I'd like to say something. And everybody was like, yes, thank you! Well, <laughs> I don't remember what she said.
1: It is a, a huge deal to win. What did you do with the
0: $10,000? I think I gave it to the government. Really? I mean, they, they tax it. I mean, I don't know. No, that's too bad. It's taxed.
1: Um one thing I thought was I don't want to say funny but ironic is that I heard a another journalist fellow journalist interviewing you and he said how you he kept saying how you brought race into everything <laughs> and I just I'm so happy to finally find out the person responsible for for making race and and social stratification in general an issue I had thought it was going on for you know thousands of years but I'm just so glad to know that a white male heterosexual film reviewer not Jewish, just pointing out, a journalist. Um, Wait, Aaron, he's not? Oh, no, fuck. All right. I thought you guys ruled the media. I was, like, so excited. No, right, we anyways.
0: facilitate. We don't okay, rule. Okay,
1: okay. Um, but I, I I just thought it was so interesting that you were uh, typecast as bringing race into to everything. Um, I'm wondering if that, has, have you had <laughs> that experience a lot, or was it just me hearing that from him?
0: It happens a lot. You know, I mean, that moment that you're talking about was really interesting to me because it got me thinking about like what the real like if 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 it's true that I do do that and it's not just race, it's it's gender, it's sexual orientation, it's any sort of injustice that occurs in culture that I feel I cannot as a as a person charged with trying to figure out what movies and you know, by extension, popular culture are doing. I can't sit there if there's like <laughs> flagrant racism and something, and just be like, "This was a really good time with the movies, y'all." I, I can't do that. And so, I think the, the response I gave Aaron was just that you know, it's like if you were on the metro desk and the phone rang and it was you know, you got a call that there was a there was a there was a murder in Dorchester, you'd have to go to cover the the murder. And for me that's what my job is like. It's like a form of crime reporting. And I mean I think Aaron was asking that somewhat I many people have heard it the way you heard it, but in the in the studio I what I heard was a guy was who was trying to figure out how you write about race in a way that is illuminating and 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 expands like on things that filmmakers might even know they're doing when they make movies. But well, I don't know. I, I I hadn't really thought about it. I hadn't really thought about an answer as to why I do it because I'm so busy defending myself against having done it.
1: Well, I love that you do it, and I really want to encourage people to check out your reviews. I thought you did this review of Cops, and it shed so much light on what was going oh, on. Oh, Lesbian
0: Cops, yeah. Um, Sorry. That's... You're not missing anything. You didn't see it, did you?
1: No. I was going to say that that I I thought your review truly helped me understand Ferguson in a way that that no other um, article I had read so far or think piece um, had. And I think it's absolutely beautiful that you take into account what's going on in the world when you do your reviews. And I hope you don't stop. And I do love the reviewer who um said that his podcast as well so i'm not putting him down but i did notice that it does come up often with you and i thought it was so funny instead of saying look how great it is that he sheds light on what's (laughs) going on in the world um i also know that you're writing a book and i wanted to um do a reminder for you you're doing a, a book about obama and pop culture past obama Yes. So I got you this so that you stick to writing.
0: <laughs>
1: do you want to read what it says? It
0: says pearls before hoes because this is a problem for me. <laughs> it's it really is.
1: So you don't because
0: every that. time I sit at my computer, I'm thinking, do I want to be having sex or do I want to be writing? I'd I'd rather be with a hoe. So
1: there is a, thank you. There are. Con- this
0: is gonna really help me out a lot.
1: Condoms and. Um, Uh, more stuff in here and uh, make out are you kidding I'm not kidding Um, Wesley we're going to have to have you on the podcast because I have so many more (laughs) questions for you but it was such a tribute to have tribute it was such a delight to have you here and I'd love to to thank you we'll see you at the end (laughs) that's it for this episode of employee of the month I'm your host Katie Lazarus thank you to Ian Mazoff thank you to everyone who works on this show as well as everyone at Joe's Pub and all of you for listening. It is such a joy to be with you every week. And if you are a writer, well, remember, pros before hoes. Talk to you soon.